Welcome to the Von Nelson Podcast. My guest today is Senior Portfolio Manager Chris Wallace. Welcome, Chris. Thanks, Dan. So, Chris, today we're going to talk about you know, one of the, the most frequently viewed news stories that's taken place over the last couple of years. Um, one of the biggest headlines, one of the biggest uh, influencers in the market, moving it around, uh, and that is going to be trade negotiations, and, and more specifically, trade negotiations with China. Uh, you know, Chris, what, what, in your opinion, has changed uh, over the recent past that has led to the trade friction between the United States and, and China? Yeah, and I think that is the right way to, to look at this issue. Um, because we are going to continue to see daily headlines because this is just good politics and drives ratings and, and drives market volatility. But it's really the history that got us here that shows us very clearly what the outcome of these negotiations are. And if you, if you go really far back, um, it really goes all the way back to when Nixon broke uh, Bretton Woods and closed the gold window. And the reason we did that was because we were running – uh, deficits. We're having difficulty funding our deficits, and we needed to gain some leverage, and therefore we closed the gold window. We distributed the dollar around the world, became the reserve currency, and de facto Europe uh, began to fund our deficits. And that worked until they started the Euro project, and then once uh, that came underway, they were no longer able to fund our deficits because the surpluses in the healthier regions of Europe went and funded the periphery, we turned around and we let China into the WTO. And it was a very symbiotic relationship where China was adopting more uh, pro-capitalist uh, uh, policies in order to drive better economic growth. They had lots of low-hanging fruit from a productivity standpoint. They had a very low cost of labor and a plentiful supply of lab labor. And so the world began to outsource their manufacturing to China. We did as well. And ultimately what that led to was the economic expansion of China, China finally getting to the point to where they really were moving in and having a sizable middle class. And it got to where, you know, just being the, the world's outsource manufacturer isn't sufficient to drive China's growth. And so we saw starting in 2014, they were starting to rebalance their economy and by doing so, they slowed down and effectively stopped increasing their purchases of U.S. Treasuries, while at the same time, when China came into the WTO, while middle-class wages in this country and manufacturing outsourcing had been a long multi-decade trend, it really accelerated. And that's what ultimately led to the global crisis, because we tried to invent, uh, you know, uh, 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 extensive loose credit policies, subprime financing for autos, subprime financing for housing to make up for the lost real, real wages. That led to the crisis. Ultimately, that's led to a populist uh, political environment, not just here, but around the world. So, and, so yeah, not, yeah. To, not to cut you off, but I know you're excited about this topic, but just to, just to kind of recap that first part that you've just described. So essentially what we've seen here, um, you know, as, as the China, as China's policy for the last multiple decades is, is beginning to come to its economic conclusion, right? As they continue to build out their middle class, they need to take the next step forward. And this, yeah. and this has coincided uh, at the same time with roughly five years ago, where we saw a meaningful slowdown of uh, U.S. Treasuries being bought by China as well. Yeah, China and all foreign holders. So essentially, global trade as a percent of GDP, global GDP, peaked in 2014 and has been declining. And that decline is going to continue. At the same time, global politics are requiring 
all countries to focus more on their middle class, rebuilding, trying to stem some of this wealth inequality, all of which leads us to the situation of, well, what really is the outcome for these trade negotiations? And the simple truth is there's no outcome for these trade negotiations. Ultimately, China is at a point where their economy has gotten so large and their amount of commodities that they need to import and consume and because they need more control over their currency and over their economy, they need to be able to use their own domestic currency to import goods, which means they need even fewer and fewer treasuries, while at the same time, we don't want to give up the leverage and control. So at the end of the day, there is no trade negotiation to be done. There is no mutual benefit here. So you know these, these negotiations are more about politics and staging and who's going to fund our federal deficits as they increase and kind of the dollar hegemony uh, over the uh, rest of global trade more so than anything else. So, you know, it's just really in summation, you know, essentially China is looking here. They, they have got to the point where they have um, an economy that is, is developed enough where they need to start taking control of it internally. Yep. At the same time, the U.S. does not want to give up uh, their control over as a global power. Yep. And, and that's, that's ultimately going to lead them to things yep. coming to a head. Absolutely. Which is where we are today, right? So, you know, Every day, you're, you're hearing, you know, how important how important a trade deal is to the U.S. and, and the impact on the economy. On the economy, how important actually is it, right? How, yeah. Is this is this something that we should be concerned about? You know, from a U.S. perspective, I think the way to think about it is we should care. We just shouldn't care, care, right? And so it's important. Uh, there's no question that in the aggregate, if there's free flowing global trade, the economic pie is greater. But it doesn't mean that our middle class gets to take advantage of it. I personally don't think a trade deal is that important, and I don't think it's that important for a handful of reasons. One, it's not enforceable with China, and they're not going to follow it. So any significant deal, just ignore, and, and, and it'll be irrelevant. Two, uh, any deal that is done, if it is a minor deal, is by itself just a minor deal. So again, ignore it. Um, and then three, more importantly, it's crystal clear, not just to U.S. companies, but to the rest of the world, that China's a bad actor, that when Xi has come into power, he's clearly taken a harder stance um, with his trading adversaries, with his own people. There's very good reasons why. You know, as you look at China going forward, every year, look out three, five years, each period, they're going to be growing slower, so lower highs, lower lows in their growth rate, lower highs, lower lows in their rate of productivity. They have a very serious credit issue. Uh, they've got to somehow maintain some flexibility with their capital, but they clearly need to maintain a very closed capital account while they look to print and try to keep some stability internally. So it's much more important to China than it is to us. Secondarily, every company that has operations in China has already started moving those supply chains out. And if they haven't, it's because they can't. And so there will be some collateral damage there. But I don't think any U.S. corporation is sitting here thinking, wow, if we had a trade negotiation, I think I'd really increase my capital into China. No, they're going, look, we know China's a bad actor. We know we're going to have long-term issues here. So let's start looking at alternatives. So, you know, I already think supply chains have started moving, and that trend's just going to continue. And it's, it's really interesting that, you, that, that you're talking about the, the overall slowdown of China as a whole. 
And do you think this is a result of, you know, there have started to become a maturing economy or is this more a function of you look at the reflection of the demographic issues that they, that exist today in China um, and they have, you know, some very challenging demographics that lie yeah. ahead and, and you can't accelerate growth. It takes time for yeah. people to reach working age. Yeah, there's no question that it's a combination of the two. You know, the original business model of being the outsourced manufacturer has peaked. The efficacy of, of debt-driven growth is peaked and is rolling over, and they have incredibly challenging demographics at the same time. Uh, you know, there's even recent estimates that their entire population will peak in the aggregate in 2023, which is much earlier than anyone thought. Uh, but more importantly, if you just look at Xi's policies and his regime, he's clearly less and less oriented to the free markets. And what that ultimately leads to is less capital formation. The entrepreneurs that are there slow down their capital formation. It becomes more about capital preservation or trying to get capital out uh, rather than creating businesses and creating a vibrant environment. So, you know, they're just headed down the wrong path as far as wealth creation. Right. So you, you can't talk about trade negotiations without discussing President Trump and his, <laughs> and his uh, social media influence and specifically as every time he gets on um, and speaks or, or, or tweets something out there. Um, you know, you see a lot of it driving market volatility, right? And so mm -hmm. do you think, um, you know, as, as, as Trump speaks publicly regarding the potential increased tariffs or future trade deals, um, you're seeing real-time market reaction. Is that, a, is that an overreaction by the market? Do you think the market should respond so quickly to this speculative commentary? No, I don't, I don't think it should. And if it really stepped back, and I think the market's doing this, because I think, you know, we clearly get the daily reaction from, you know, algos and, and, and more active traders based on the tweet of the minute. But over time, I think the market's looking through these trade negotiations and looking at exactly what I'm talking about, which is it's clear there is no great resolution here. And it's starting to anticipate what, um, you know, ultimately is going to fall out and what the next policy is. And as it relates to Trump, I, you know, He's clearly he talks about the deficit. The deficit is not even it's not a it's not even a, a point of contention, right? It's it's just a byproduct of math. So it's not something that we need to focus on. But when he tweets, he's tweeting for political purposes. He's talking to his base. He's talking to the middle class. They want to focus on the deficit because it's simple. It's not accurate, but it's simple. Um, and so I, I certainly understand why he's, he's using that methodology. Yeah, no, it makes sense. So let's just say, um, you know, these, these tariffs are applied, right? Yep. And, and we go through with, um, you know, I don't want to call them threats, but, you know, the, sure. the, the, uh, the references that, that, that the president has made. Who ultimately pays for these tariffs? Right. It's not as simple as you would think. I mean, it's clear that the, you know, U.S. companies, you know, will pay, for, pay the tariffs. And therefore, quote, you know, it's the U.S. consumer. It's just not that clear. And the reason it's not that clear is, A, uh, I certainly expect that China will weaken its currency as tariffs go into place. B, China will subsidize its key industries and allow those industries to cut price in order to uh, maintain their competitive stance. And, and conversely, you know, products will, will leave China. Um, so ultimately, that cost is not borne by any one single individual uh, uh, group or classification. It's spread out through supply chains. It's spread out, spread out both domestically and in China. Um, and so it's not as acute as what you would, you know, first think about at first blush with a 25% tariff increase. Right. It doesn't mean it won't materially impact 
specific companies, but an economy our size, it, it's much more muted. Right, right. Yeah, it's very hard to find a single actor that will be uh, really pained by it. Uh, okay, so last question I have for you today. You know, so whether a trade deal or a minor deal occurs, um, you know, without without any you know, real material changes or method of enforcement, what do you feel that the policy reaction by both the U.S. and China uh, will look like? Yeah, and this is why I think the market has uh, is starting to behave the way it is because I think it's going to slowly become apparent that there is a deal or that there isn't a deal or that the deal that's developed is watered down or if it looks like it has teeth, ultimately it's not enforceable. But as soon as, a, as soon as we get through these negotiations, successful or as a failure, I think you're gonna see China really loosen up their monetary policy. I know early in the year, you know, the market said, look, we got green shoots, look at all the stimulus in January. Uh, that was seasonal factors. China and the PBOC is still reducing liquidity. They're maintaining very tight capital controls. They just recently lowered the amount of uh, currency that could be taken out of a bank at any one time. And the reason they're doing that is they really do want to maintain a relatively strong currency while they're in these negotiations. As soon as they're done, I think all bets are off. So, so can, I, you, can you just, just describe for folks that are listening what you yeah. mean by China loosening monetary policy? I, I think what they'll do is they will significantly boost liquidity They'll probably go back to more infrastructure spending uh, to support more rebalancing, and they'll be more aggressive in rebalancing their economy as we go forward. And so we'll see uh, you know, the U.S. economy continue to slow throughout the year, certainly slow on a relative basis, probably see some incremental weakening out of the dollar, uh, but start to see kind of a reflationary impulse kicking in in the back half of this year, early next year, as we get a wave of liquidity coming out of China to support its own domestic economy. China's economy is not strong, and, and they are, they are going to want to get these negotiations behind them so they can start boosting that liquidity. You know, from the U.S. perspective, uh, we'll see less of a response. The, I think relatively quickly, uh, U.S. policymakers are going to spend a lot of time focusing on the yield curve, uh, spend a lot of time focusing on who's going to buy all our treasuries because our, you know, our federal deficits are expanding at a rapid rate and they're going to continue to do so. And it's starting to crowd out the private sector. Great. Well, good, Chris. This is phenomenal. Thank you very much for your insights. It's, uh, it's certainly a topic that's getting a, uh, a, quite a bit of, uh, of publicity and, and notoriety over the uh, you know, recent weeks, again, accelerating. Yep. So thanks for coming on and we look forward to having you again. You bet. Thank you, Dan. The views, information, and or opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Von Nelson and its employees. Von Nelson does not verify and assumes no responsibility for the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast. The primary purpose of the information, opinions, and thoughts presented in this podcast is to educate and inform. This podcast, or any podcast in the series, does not constitute professional investment advice or services, and any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk. Past performance is not an indication of future performance. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that the entire contents of this podcast are the property of Von Nelson and, or used by Von Nelson with permission and are protected under U.S. copyright and trademark laws.